observe the mentality at work. Individuals who would exercise control emotions when granted access to like-minded others are prone to setting aside all higher functions. Here is an example. Bioware, you wasted hours of my life with this trash. I could write a better ending during a fever dream, but life is too short. Hey, you're right. What kind of uh, monkey let this garbage out the door? My dog could have done better in the room. We paid money for this stuff. Aren't we entitled to something in return? Yeah, yeah, we are. Let's go burn down EB Games and take our money back. Great idea. Then we'll head up to EA headquarters and demand and take some compensation. Yeah, we won't let this stand. Anybody who gets in our way is too easily satisfied, so they deserve whatever we give. Burn! Destroy! Kill! This is only a sample of the mob mentality at work. For further examples, witness any given Star Wars movie release. Here it comes, podcasting's finest few hours of gaming prizes. Action RPG fans, come on down. Final Fantasy players, come on down. Might and Magic lovers, come on down. And Disgaea fanboys, come on down. You are the first four contestants on the RPG Backtrack. And here are the stars of the RPG Backtrack, Phil Willis and Mike Mickey. your swords and prepare your spells. Your friends at RP Gamer got a story to tell. Are you ready to hear about your favorite RPGs? Because we'll be going back a few years in history. If you've got a backlog that is really long, we'll tell you what's right to play and what is wrong. we got RP Gamer staff on the mic to talk about these games for most of the night. So pull up a chair, we will give you no flack. You're listening to the RPG Backtrack. Welcome to RPG Backtrack number 136. This is Shepard in the Right Stuff. I'm your co-host, Phil Willis, and this is... The Just Finishing Dinner co-host, Mike Minky. And we're here to talk about another retro RPG from the way back when, right up through yesteryear. That's right, we're talking about Mass Effect 3 and um, all of its so DLC. Retro. I know, so we're going way back here. I mean, oh this, my is, God. this is on the scale like of like... Years old? This is like on the scale of like Wizardry One, or hey, you know. 2012 feels really old now. It really does, actually. That's I mean, 2012 didn't have hoverboards. Is all I'm saying. Mm. No, it, didn't. it didn't have flying cars either. Those two vo- other voices you hear in the background are none other than Miss Sam Walker. I'm gonna cry in a corner. <laughs> God, where's my corner? <laughs> 
We're in a room with like six of them. Pick I one. I didn't call you Marshmallow. I did call you Marshmallow. Oh, well, the, the, the headphone wires are really long, so you can go to that one. There's really no <laughs> making her happy, Mike. I tried. And the other voice you hear is Mr. Scott Wachter. The sucker who puts up with me. Something snarky, something, something manky doesn't respect other people's time or something. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Well, what's really funny is uh, I was on RPG Cast a couple of weekends ago, and that show ended up being like three and a half hours. So they, you know, they were all joking about, "Oh, it's Phil from RPG Backtrack, and just his presence makes the show longer." So you're here from uh, Active Topical Banter. Maybe you'll, your presence will naturally make our show shorter. Depends. So. You're gonna you're gonna give me the uh, the the edit the gavel the the moderator gavel well, the editing duties. Because well, I can really tighten I, some shit up around here. I'll give you the moderator gavel for Mass Effect 3 because I've not played it. And I'm going to take a shot in the dark and guess Mr. Minky hasn't played it. Minky, was much of a shot left, Yeah, like, so... Your laptop play Mass Effect 1 even? Uh, it's during the trouble it's having with something that was supposed to be easy to run right now. I don't, I'm not even going to try and go there. So, oh, no. and, and my understanding is that Mrs. Sam is within arm's reach of you there, so uh, by all means, if you want to be the one in charge for the main event. If we're going to be in charge, it's okay. <laughs> co-charge? No, it won't even be co-charge. I think the rate it's going. We'll see. Alright. You, know, you guys tend to stay up past my bedtime on a school night, so this will be tricky. <laughs> well, uh, well, then we better get right to it. We're going to take a small break. We'll be right back after these commercial messages. Turned, we're ready to jump into our main event where we're going to talk about. And by we, I really mean uh, Scam is Sam and Scott. We're going to talk about uh, Mass no, Effect. Scam is our official portmanteau couple name that has been established for seven years now. Mm-hmm. Seven years. Seven. Someone called we are Scam. Scam. Pretty bad. Awesome. I like it. It's catchy. <laughs> Way better than Benefer. True. Well, you yeah, two... We sound really untrustworthy. You two... You realize that, right? <laughs> you two get to spend as long or as short as you want talking about Mass Effect 3, developed by BioWare, published by EA. This was released on Microsoft Windows, PlayStation 3, the Xbox 360, and the Wii U. First release was on March 6, 2012. This is an action RPG third-person shooter hybrid coming to you on a optical disc and download, and it is available as a single-player and a multiplayer experience, which I'm sure you all will talk about. You know what, actually, let's start with the multiplayer, because that is, that that was new and interesting, and I liked it. 
And maybe some of that was just that we hung out with the people, with our bros at RPG Fan. Yes, yes. No, you didn't. I did. No, no. We we took turns that one night, and I think John and I had a few nights on our own where we were just like, hey. Yeah, we played with, uh, actually, the staff from RPG Fan as well as the former editor of Xbox Official Magazine. Yeah. We're, see, I, I know people want us to hate RPG fans. It's kind of hard. But it's hard, because John's a cool guy. Kim's nice, even though she went to uh, Game & Morpher. So, you know, there's, there's nice people. They're, they're, they're cool guys, and really, we just need to back each other up, because we share forumers, and that can be bad. Also, Liz was terrible at multiplayer. Oh, God, Liz. Liz. Liz kind of was this person who would suicide herself okay, without well, thinking, because you basically could pick any class that you wanted from the Mass Effect universe. Well, okay, no, they added a they seventh added- class for multiplayer, because uh, normally, of course, in single-player, you would play a Vanguard, which has biotic powers and also shooting abilities. I didn't, but okay. But then there's the seventh class, the Vantard, who just throws himself into the middle of all the bad guys and dies horribly and then gets upset at you for not really, uh, for not rescuing them over and over again. It's, it's an issue, is what I'm saying, is people, there's a breeder player that just is not fun to play with. But it, it's basic, it's your basic multiplayer horde mode. Like if you've, yeah. played, if you've done some gears cooperatively online, that's what it's at. It was, it was. The last, the last online multiplayer I did was Halo 2, and that was briefly. <laughs> okay, well, it's similar in a way. Like if you've ever well, played okay. something like that, then. Well, not quite, because uh, horde mode didn't come to Halo till ODST. Alright. That, that's probably true. I forgot about that. Well, but yeah. It's it, a horde mode. You it, go in. You kill all the baddies, you do all the waves, you work cooperatively as a team, and, and you hope for the best. Like, uh, EA was prepared to sell that as a, as a, a standalone game at one point, and I would have bought it and played it, I think. I would have. I, I sunk in probably more hours in multiplayer for Mass Effect 3 than I did the actual game. Yeah, like, I was a little surprised at that, because it didn't seem like something I would be interested in. Well, and I mean, the perk was they did give away all the multiplayer maps. Yes. Like, they, they they started out with, like, only six? It was, actually, it was only four. Oh, God, only four. And then and, it jumped to six, and then eventually, I believe, it became eight or ten. I think they got to twelve, I want to say. They must have stopped by then, but... I, there, there was that last one with um, with stuff in Brazil that we didn't even that I don't think anyone was still playing for. But you know what? Like, it's bizarre to have a multiplayer experience. Well, I think it was a logical extension of the game in a weird way because it is a squad-based shooter oh, and single-player. I get that. I'm so just, just saying... giving instead of AI having your Xbox friends show up. I meant more in the sense of the fact that the majority of people who play RPGs generally would not touch a multiplayer mode unless they were playing something like WoW. Well, I mean, and and that's sort of a shame. I think this is a really good gap bridger between sort of an action RPG and an MMO because um, obviously, obviously, you do have essentially the same game. Yeah. Uh, with you know just some wrinkles added to make it a multiplayer arena thing for a while. Plus, they let you customize your armor. They let you customize what race you got to play as. So it was kind of awesome to, for example, have a Krogan. Like I, wa- I was so excited. Like you got to be, you got to play a Krogan. 
This is when you get to play Krogans and Geth and all the crazy races you wish you could be when you were instead of Shepherd. The only sucky part is the fact that you started as a human and you only get a human. You have to actually. Yeah, I mean. The more you play, you have to build your XP. You can spend the XP to get. And that's it. it And it's randomized. So you don't really get a chance to be like, I want XYZ. It's whatever gives you. And that is it. There is a freemium element to it, and it is gacha based. And weirdly enough, not long after this, uh, Japan banned gacha-style microtransactions. But you know what? It worked for Mass Effect, I think. It there did. was kind of a, a, a healthy play. It, it was a nice hook. It was always like, hey, you got random gear drops, you got random, you know, die drops, in the sense that you would open up new classes just by playing it more and more. So you could be like, hey... I'm I'm now allowed to play a Fortia skirmisher type guy, and that's the one engineer class I've got. So I'm gonna try it out. Pretty awesome. And like I I really enjoyed it. Um, I kind I don't know if the community's still active or not. It's kind of weird that it does interact with your single player campaign, where uh, it it affects your war assets in a weird way. Talk about. We will we will get to that because I think. War war assets are kind of awkward, but I guess into the single-player side of things. War assets are stupid, and I hated it. I hated it so much. That's one of my complaints of Mass Effect 3. Well, it's sort of weird to have a situation... Hey, Sam, how do you feel about war assets? Stupid, Phil. They're stupid. Well, they're, they're extra stupid in that they're also your continuity nods. Yes. Like, your your continuity nod is, hey, you did a side quest in Mass Effect 2... Here's 15 war dot bucks, and it's somehow abstractly improving your results in the single-player game in a way that never totally coalesces, because sometimes they're building the MacGuffin Weapon of Doom to help you, and sometimes it's just like, hey, they're guys doing things, and I guess they help you now, because an existential threat still needs goddamn convincing like, oh, hey, we have a massive existential threat in the form of Lovecraftian robot gods, and yet I still have to convince people to help me. I can't nationalize every goddamn asset in the galaxy to do it. Now I have to play nice. Even if I'm a renegade, I have to play nice. And solve everyone's problems. Okay, so, story. You have to help everybody, because nobody wants to be your friend anymore. Okay, so... So there's that. So, the Reapers have finally made it across the void between galaxies to wipe out all organic life, as is their want. And they start at Earth, because Earth is important now, for the first time in the franchise. Oh, yeah. (laughs) For the very first time. And then, uh, Commander Shepard, who of course has been imprisoned because of the results of the DLC of Mass Effect 2, if you didn't spend ten dollars on it, you're gonna be confused. Thumbs up. So uh, you you start out and you're like, okay, you get reinstated because why wouldn't you reinstate the only guy who has a clue of what she's doing uh, in a time of crisis? So you get sent out into the broad galaxy to solve the problem. Luckily, uh, the the problem solving MacGuffin was on Mars the entire time because why would you introduce this as the thing you were looking for in Mass Effect 2 in some sort of cohesive narrative. No. No, let's introduce it in the goddamn tutorial 
for the final game in a trilogy. Oh, God. Yeah. Mark, Mac Walters, you were a genius writer. You're a, you're a goddamn genius. Yeah, Mass Effect 3 is kind of, when you look at the... Nobody ever found it on Mars before this. No. no. No, it took a player character from Mass Effect 1 showing up on Mars and taking 15 minutes to look to be like, oh, hey, that's how we fix our problems. It was on Mars. Yeah. So after you retrieve that, you are now... Uh, tasked with solving everyone's problems. Oh my god, yes. So that they will help you retake Earth because Earth matters now. Because when you're facing an existential threat of machine Lovecraftian gods, you, you, you are very concerned in retaking territory specifically on Earth as opposed to fighting some sort of rear guard running action in the vein of a Battlestar Galactica which might have been interesting and compelling. If it made sense. If, and made sense. Oh, God. <laughs> See, here's the thing. When you look at the overarching story, it doesn't make a damn lick of sense. But you have the character moments in the story. That's actually where, if well, anything, I, it shines. Well, again, awkwardly. like, Mass Effect is... All, all games come down to a contrast between the lyrical and the epic. In the, the poetic. In the poetic sense. And unfortunately... Bioware has always been awesome at lyrical. Always, always, always. And as time has gone on, the epic has just diminished as more and more writers quit over the pressures of uh, working on bigger and bigger budget games. Uh, destroy them inside. Man, David Gator. I'm surprised he's still there. Oh. Patrick Weeks. Give it, a, give it a year. Give it a year, honey. This is, it's... So how much of this can be directly attributed to EA, do you think? Well, none of, none of it, because I really do... Like, people blame EA, and I'm thinking, like, you know what? John Ricitello did not watch the cutscenes of Mass Effect and say, you know what? Can you piss on the continuity a little bit? And then off went the writing staff to do that. I'm thinking, no, we had a writing staff that was suddenly depri- suddenly doubled and simultaneously deprived of their creative core... Yeah. Uh, between, you know, quit, people quitting and people being transferred to Texas to do an MMO. So you have all of a sudden everyone's second string and a bunch of newbies trying to assemble a coherent narrative that wasn't exactly planned yeah. for all instances. When you, when you look at the overall story, you find the holes, and the holes are really... Like again, like they, like again, Drew Carp, not not it, not Carpetian, the director, and, like Casey Hudson, the creative director, and Mac Walters, the lead writer on the game, famously will tell you, like they'll they'll admit that they just sort of locked themselves in a room for a long weekend and wrote the ending, and obviously it kind of shows. And then you also have all these interviews with people of Left Eye, where like Drew Carpetian talking about, well, this is what we were cons- we were kicking around when we were writing Mass Effect One. And obviously, people like that a lot more because of the Hitchcock effect. But um, there's no cohesion. <laughs> yeah, there's there's and really nothing. You can going see how the lack of cohesion works. You can see how the story all together is incredibly haphazard. Incredibly. When you look at the character aspects of the story, there's some really, really wonderful and beautifully written moments, but they get undermined by the really crappy overarching story. And I think that's what makes it so painful. You have a beautiful death scene, for example, for Morden, and it gets completely undercut by, 
oh crap, we have to go be nice to people again. Because, and, know, and that's it, it is, well, it, it has this wonderful, like, three-point combo of dealing with, um, not, like, you, you, you resolve something that has just been an, a setting element. Like, this has been part of the status quo. Uh, like, the whole two chunk of sequence is, okay, you have this status quo of the Krogan have been borked over by every other race, and you get to decide if you can unbork it. Well, one fertile, active one, and then, and then Morden, a character from Mass Effect Two, who was awesome. Like he made you, he was a war criminal. Like he, he was literally a war criminal and a horrible person. And the writers made you care about him and love him and sing songs with him for you know because because they can still do that really well. And so he goes out. Goddamn champ. And then you have, you know, and you solve this problem for everyone, or don't, if you're a tool, or don't care, or you killed all the Rex in the first game, and that's, and then you, you, it is this immensely wonderful payoff on so many levels. So heartbreaking. It, it, it'll break your heart. Even if you don't like Morden, it will break your heart. I like Morden, so. And even being a dick and I, I I did a playthrough where I shot him in the back and it was hard. Scott looked like he wanted to yeah, and Scott's kind of sometimes. Like, and even he had feels that, that I, it gave me some feels and and this is it is These even, are the moments even in shine. even shooting for Paragon on, on the Normandy you have a wall of everyone who's died. You know, characters from Mass Effect One who didn't make it, characters from Mass Effect Two who didn't make it. And after that mission, Morden Morden's name gets added to the list. And it's right across from the elevator onto the floor with a few characters that you have to talk to every time you come back to the ship after a mission, because that's how you progress the individual character arcs. And every time I saw that wall after Morden dies, I would stop. I would just stop and stare at his name, and I wanted so much to have a button just to touch the wall. I wanted that to be an element, just like a little interaction to be like, for my fallen comrade. For my bros. Because, you know, the other bros in the series, truthfully, I didn't care about them as much. Like, there's a lot of people on that list that are just background people from Mass Effect 2 who, do, who got turned into Jello. Yeah. And then I saved everyone. My Jello wasn't as bad as Jello. Yeah, like there's an extensive Jello list. Like I'm sorry <laughs> for you know my some of my engineer guys, but you you stop and then you like I had to someone had to tell me that they the names do get added as they go and you know you see Legion's name on there. It's like how how I love Legion. Anyone who hates on Legion go to hell. <laughs> and his his plotline, you know, again is horrible when you think about it, because there's the whole time to to make amends, in a way, for what Legion's people did to Tally's people, and what Tally's people refuse to give up on half the time because they're stubborn as shit. Well, it, and, that felt real. And, that felt and honest. That's just it. It, it does come across honest, especially by the time we get to Yeah. You know, like, like again, Tally's this, trying. This is another element of just the status quo that you get to say, no. You know what, guys? You get to have your planet back. Because I'm going to do that for you. Because even though Lovecraftian space robots are going to eat everyone, your planet matters, and we can do it. And you know what? Who gives a damn about Earth? Humanity wasn't important until now. 
And it's so bizarre to think when you like play that backstory that her matters because it, like, it, it's it, never it's had It's so him. wrong that the finale is retaking Earth because until this point, the closest you got to Earth was the moon. Oh, yeah. And I mean, the moon is close, but it's also incredibly far because when you're bouncing around on the moon, you look at Earth and it's like, man, that, that's a marble. Maybe London's interesting, maybe not. Yeah, it's... Mass Effect 3 story is just kind of it's a difficult thing to talk about because when it's on, it's doing the characters it really is fantastic and you really do care about um, I mean, as much as I absolutely... sounds like... Well, for example, I absolutely hate Ashley. I think she's one of the worst characters they've ever penned. You know what I got to do in the game because I kept her alive instead of Caden? I got to dismiss her and it was one of the best feelings I ever had. Because she basically comes up to Shepard and is like, everything's your fault. And you can basically let her scold you, or you can tell her, you can come, but I'm still in charge. Well, and here's the thing. And it's just, that part was poorly done, so to be able to send her away was awesome. There's a great sequence where if you send her away, Joker will get out of his chair, and he'll salute you. (laughs) Because he's just like, he's just as fed up as you are. And not not Shepard, the player. So you have Seth Green going, you know what? Someone owes you respect. Which I'm sure if you had So I'm going to get out of my chair and salute you. I was going to say, if you had Caden, I'm just slightly... It's slightly different. It's, it's, it, Caden has his shit Well, Caden has his shit together, but he's still a little bit whiny. So the sequence plays a little bit whiny. And honestly, Ashley is just terrible, even in this game. Now, that's a thing. Like, I kept her around, and somehow... Did you not hurt yourself? Oh, That's a good question. I, I almost I almost did because there was um, just circumstance conspired in the perfect way, or the imper- the absolute inverse of perfect way, in such that Legion died to save two species, and I wander in and find Ashley drunk on the floor of the rec room of the Normandy, and she's going off on a rant about the goddamn flashlights, which is the ethnic slur against uh, death, the robot man's. And I'm just sitting there, it's like going, and I'm like, you know what? A real person died for two whole societies, and you, you're you're being space racist, which we thought we fixed in the first game. Where's the button I have to push to send you out the airlock right now. That's why I gave her the one finger salute when I had the chance. And she earned it. And that was when I decided retroactively that I wish I could have nuked both of them in Mass Effect 1. It's I want that. We that. It's, the humans in Mass Effect are just, they're the least in character. They really are. Well, no, there's Good Joker. Joker. And, and Smelly Kelly. There's Smelly Kelly. Okay, Smelly Kelly. And Trainer. Trainer's awesome. Trainer's Trainer's awesome. awesome. But for the most part, the humans are not... They're so... They make up what percentage of the humans? There's a lot of humans. Actually, Dr. Dr. Chakwas is awesome because she's an old lady who gets shit done. She does. But the majority of the humans in the game... And and of course you have uh, Admiral Anderson, who's uh, voiced by David Keith. I don't think... I had Anderson, sort of, but remember I picked what's-his-face. Well, Anderson sort of gets stuck on the... The guy who stays on yeah, Earth in he's the guy who stays on Earth to fight a rear guard action against space robot gods. And I'm like, 
David, David Keith, you are smarter than that. You would com not commit to this bullshit campaign. You would have put everyone on every spaceship you could, and we'd have a running fleet battle. So we'd have everybody flying to space colonies like in Gundam Wing? No, we'd have we'd have a Battlestar Galactica story. I didn't watch that. We'll watch Battlestar. I think you'd like it. I've told you many times. What's his face? Captain Greaseball. Just creeps me out. Except for the part where he was kind of hot at one point. What's his name again? Nemo Kid? No. No, I don't remember his name. He was a president. <laughs> oh, you're talking about Baltar? Yes. He's not a captain of anything. He's Captain Greasemo. That's what I've decided his name is. Okay, Sam, Battlestar Galactic is an excellent television, so say we all. I guess, whatever. I don't watch TV. <laughs> we'll get to it. But uh, uh, the... the, the that, oh, God, the ending... The ending? Okay, the uh, ending yes. I, I seem to remember the internet exploding. Because the fanboys, because of why the fanboys say it's bad. It's bad because it is not Mass Effect. You are not shooting guys. You are not talking to guys. You're just sitting to this hologram of a kid. And I've got to rant about the kid we can save for a few minutes. But you, oh, no. you, the hologram of the kid explains a bunch of cockamamie ass polls about the Reapers and the plot of the games, and then you get to choose how it ends, and there's no dating mom. There's no... No closure. There's no closure for what you cared about. There's no closure for the characters you fought for. There's no character closure for the species you decided the fate of over the course of three games. And then you roll credits. That's pretty lame, admittedly. I mean, there are games that do it slightly better. Human Revolution, I would say, does it better? Nah. I Human Revolution so. is equally bad. Equally it's bad. bad. But I'm, I think it does it better than Mouse Effect does. Yeah, Human Revolution just has um, Elias Effects. Is... That's what I wanted. No, it's got Elias Effects is talking over stock footage. That's just as bad. His voice is dreamy, though. So I take that over. Boredom <sighs> of what Mass Effect did. We'll, we'll need more hemp before we're through. I like Elias Effects. So he's kind of a dreamboat. In any case, the, the endings. I actually didn't mind. Like, I felt completely indifferent when I had finished the game because I picked the synergist ending. Well, the synergy ending is yeah. the one that's kind of the most indifferent. Because at the end of the day, I didn't feel very compelled in that endgame. It, it just kind of made you walk well, along through this area that... Well, fighting through London was the goddamn worst anyhow. Yeah. So it's like anything to end it, I'll just pick whatever color you want and walk away and get a scotch while the credits roll. Well, that's the, thing. the ending makes... It doesn't give you a sense of why you should care. Like, when you play a game and you get to the end, you know, you should have a sense of satisfaction. There's some satisfaction in what you're doing. And Mass Effect like, epically fails on that point. You don't feel satisfied. You just kind of feel... Like, in my case, it was indifference. Some people, it was anger. Some people, it was, well, I spent $60 on that. Okay, next game. Well, yeah. okay. Well, y'all yeah. are getting really negative on this ending. Maybe we need somebody, another voice, to tell us how awesome the ending really is. We have Mr. Michael Apps to help us out. What's up, also, Mike? How's it going? Um, well, some kid died, and we're supposed to care for three or four terrible cutscenes. <laughs> <laughs> the ending sucks, but it's about the journey. 
Well, then that's just it, That's right? what's important. Dirty's great, but the ending was so not well, worth it. you know what? We can say that now, but at the same time, this is not life. This is a fiction. Okay, guys, we all know so the real PC, ending. So, yeah. you know what? Mac Walters is a pack. And, you know what? <laughs> Mac Walters can die in a fire for just... the destination he gave me. Can okay, just say Citadel DLC was the real ending? No. <laughs> no. Fun dance party and sexy makeup time was totally better than the ending I got. No. No, I am white. I trump. My answer's better. No. Pick my answer. EA handing you a pile of fan service by way of apology is not a better ending. It's, it's just my ending. It's my ending. I got my dance party. Shepard can't dance. You know, play Spice Girls in the background. It was awesome. <laughs> It's just weird after after how you know how well constructed a lot of the other parts of the story are that it just kind of ends like that and like yeah, even you end with and, the last, oh it's a game cool and, and you know I was I was honestly okay with it the first time I played um, but then I watched like this video explaining why it was so awful and I was like oh my god was it tasteful under stated nerd rage what's that. Uh, what was the video that tastes full understated nerd rage one? Um, I'm I'm not sure what it was, but it it was it kind of laid out in great detail exactly all the problems with the ending. Well, okay, go go on YouTube and search for Mr. B Tongue, all one word. Mr. is an abbreviation, and he has he has a video about the Mass Effect three ending, and it's wonderful. And then you should also talk about uh, find his video about Tristram Shandy and Fallout New Vegas. He, he's a cool guy to follow, even though he doesn't produce content nearly enough. Yeah, so Mass Effect 3, don't play for the ending. Just get the Citadel DLC. It's everything. Uh, we'll get to the DLC. Because <laughs> there's another DLC that was kind of stupid. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to the DLC. <laughs> we'll get to that. Yeah, I'm like a five-year-old kid. I have no patience. <laughs> I know. <laughs> This game had some really so, evil choices in it, you know? It really did. We, we did talk about Morden, by the way. You, you missed that. Oh, no! That's, that is a horrible choice. Mm. We were both convinced that we needed, like, a hand-touching wall action button for, you know, the memoriam. <laughs> but I'm going to do it in Scott's face. This is why this show needs to have a vid version, just so you can see Sam's hand reach out from nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are getting some entertainment. Seriously, like, Morden made me cry. Okay? Whereas, fighting evil clone of myself in Citadel with Rex telling me, hey, she's just as hot as you are, was also pretty awesome. Well, we'll get to the Citadel. What, what's next on our normal list? Characters or gameplay? Characters! Because they're all awesome, and you know all of them, because they were in the other games. And you love them, except for Trainer, who makes her so... She's she's new, and she's lovable. She's really cute. I wanted to do her, except that I did Liara again, because Liara is a psycho. Well, Sam, you always pick the Bioware Clinger. I'm sorry. I didn't! I didn't in Inquisition! I didn't in Inquisition! You know I didn't! Did you finish okay. Inquisition already? I thought you were still... No. Okay. <laughs> so you still have a chance. Oh, no, 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 no. He's fully committed to not Karth 4. He's not Karth 4. Don't you talk about Blackwall that way? Yeah, I'm, I'm saying Cullen is Karth 4. It's true. I, Cullen's just not my... Liara, also not my type, I realize. This game reminded me why I actually am afraid of her. Because <laughs> if you romance someone else from 2... 
and you do the shadow work with the DLC, she calls you out on it and she gets really mad. In three, she will call you a cheater, but then she'll still want to get back in your pants. And it's like, girlfriend, like, you need to get in shape or something. Wow. She, she's got some issues. I don't like what they did to Liara. I think her... She had some weird character changes. Like, again, only if you romance her, I, I noticed this a lot more, like, the level of desperation and kind of psycho girlfriend behavior was just a bit too much for me. It's kind of like, I don't think every woman behaves this way, so thank you for writing her that way. I yeah. hate you. Well, she gets to reconcile with her dad, at least. Also, why did they turn Jacob into a baby daddy? Like, you want to perpetrate a really horrible stereotype? Make the only black character in the game a baby daddy. Like, maybe there was still an opportunity for him to legitimize that child with the Cerberus science lady. I'm sorry, but, like, that is one of the most horrific and stereotypical ways you could have went about that. And it just degraded his character, considering I thought, as someone who romanced Jacob, there was something something there. Car three, for the record. <laughs> Car three. I have been slapped for this comment. I stand by it. So, how about Rex? Assuming you're not a monster and he actually survived to this game. Oh, God. that Having him back, oh, that was so... I was so right. I was so... Everything with him. So... Well, and, you know and nothing against Grunt, because watching Rex and Grunt interact is really freaking cute. Like, they were adorable. Well, he, having the, the Grunt mission was really awkward, because it was kind of obvious they only had one cutscene, the budget. So you get, like, the dramatic, sad, self, self-sacrifice fight sequence. <laughs> and then if you... If they decided that, yeah, no, he should survive, he just sort of wanders out afterwards, and I'm like, you couldn't have changed the music cues for that at least? Because <laughs> I was sure he was dead. I was, it was all poignant and whatnot. And he's Stephen Blum. You didn't mess with Stephen Blum. Also, I kind of liked what they did with Miranda in that I didn't have to use her. Oh yeah, she's the only two. She gets like three scenes. So, so here's my beef. In two, Miranda is uh. useless as poop, okay? And in the final mission with the suicide mission, she'll offer to do every single thing. But if you put Miranda in your party, believe it or not, she will kill one of your party members. It'll, it'll get someone else. It, it automatically means that somebody else dies. So it was kind of nice in three to not have to have her in your party, and you got to kind of get a little bit of background about her, and her, the story of her sister and stuff is, was actually really well done. Well, here's the thing. It's, it made her kind of human. It was nice. Well, and if you somehow, by luck or by incredible planning, got her dead instead of someone else in Mass Effect 2, you have this awkward, terrible sequence of, hey, remember Miranda? Remember her sister? Well, they matter. Um, go fight her dad. Without her prodding, for some reason, Cerberus, still competent for some reason. Oh, God. Uh, I, I, I wonder how you could do it. It's got to be really hard. You, there, there's one way you can do it. Because I was thinking about that. I'm it, like, it's it, really easy for some reason to kill Tally. Like, everyone I've talked to has killed Tally. If they failed the suicide mission, that's usually who they kill. And I'm like... Of course, you pick the one character that everybody freaking loves is the one you screw up. 
Hi, um, honey. Hey. But yeah, um, yeah. Well, he's still awesome, but when she Cerberus gets- and the Elusive Man, the greatest possible plot tumors on this franchise. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. What was his... I can't even remember his name. Kai Lang. Oh, God. Kai Lang and his JRPG villain bullshit. He was funny. No! Like, he gets to wander in and pull off Sephiroth nonsense. Like, you're playing a cover-based shooter, and he gets to be a JRPG character that can stand in the wide open and just suck in bullets forever. Ah! Do you get to kill him? He shows up on screen, and you just start pouring the liquor down your mouth to make it better. I laugh. And Die and he kills kills the fish man from Mass Effect. Yeah, yeah. So he he kills Thane. He kills Thane. Like Thane goes out. Thane goes out like a boss, but to the wrong kind of boss. Yeah. Like he saved. He does a lot to help you if you kept him around for two. And it's just like it, it feels like a waste because he ah. Uh, that, kind so of the renegade well, interrupt for killing Kyle Lang, where you get to just say this was for Thane, is immensely gratifying. Like right up there with kicking a dude out the window, or telling what's her face off. Oh, reporter chick. Oh, punching what's her face, the reporter. Like those are the three best renegade interrupts that you always take. I, I'm mostly negated, except for Rex. The only time I refused. Well, Rex is too much of a mensch to not, right? Like, I'm going to lose my renegade Chivo over this, but Rex is better than everybody, so... He deserves better. Just this sad frog Batman guy. And Garrus is still cool. Garrus, you know what? You get to... Garrus just has given up. Well, okay, the thing about Garrus and Tali is they kind of got to be the Commander Shepard for their people. Garrus gets to wander off and get a whole bunch of powers and be ignored by the Turian and lead a special task force. And you you see him almost just finally abandon the lawful alignment he had at the beginning. Like, he's, he's gone from Maverick cop to just plain Maverick. And there's this cathartic sequence where you just start shooting skeet on the Presidium right above the main lane for the hover cars. And it's like, you know what? You have to fill out a permit to stand here. And there's no way in heck we're allowed to have use live rounds in this area. But you know what? Let's just do it. Who did you romance wheels? Out of curiosity. Who is your Mass Effect 3 lady friend or dude bro? Think wheels may have died. Um, don't die on me, wheels. Mass Effect Three. Uh, I've kind Tally of forget. Skipper. Hey, Tally's what? awesome. Uh, that was I did, did that Mass Effect Two. Uh, so you didn't do what I did. Made a crazy psycho girlfriend. <laughs> I did it in Dragon Age. I'm pretty sure I went back to Liara for three. Oh. Yeah, I'm terrible. I know. That, that's the worst thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. What can I say? It's all about the. You already said it that you're terrible. I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're I would have. Person. I would have gone, you know, for Jack if she hadn't <clears throat> died in Mass Effect Two. Oh my God, Jack actually has a really good sequence if she's oh, alive. Yeah, Jack has a Jack is awesome. Like she's, she's 
Like she's you fixed her so she becomes a teacher for other kids who aren't just like <laughs> for kids with bionic potential, and that. The way she interacts with those kids is... It's adorable. It's adorable, and it's like, you bump into her and the kids throughout the game, and it's just... She's happy. Oh. It's nice Like, to she's happy. happy. Jack is happy. And that's because of you. And then they hand me the Save the Earth ending bullshit, and I'm like, I'm how could you that. do something like Jack or Tally so right? And then hand me that pile of old cloth. That's the thing. Like, I I love Tally's little mission with her because she's she's very sincere, and that's kind of bizarre when you think of of Jack. You know, Jack isn't a very sincere person when you first meet her, and too she's she's pretty hard. So to get this really soft, genuinely happy person, like it makes you happy. It makes you kind of go like, I have the power to make. People change their like, lives in a positive way. People are better. The galaxy is, is better. better for me as Commander Shepard. And then Earth. Earth. <sighs> we synchronized side. We're so married. God damn. <laughs> so gameplay. Not too much different. Yeah, it's kind of just Mass Effect 2 all over again. You you well, spend didn't, your didn't best. I see that the RPG elements have been cranked up slightly. Yeah, they're, they're a little bit better. You now get to, after a certain... Whereas in Mass Effect 2, you only got four levels and everything, you get six, and the last two are about... Or actually have a choice where you get to specialize again. But at the same time, the comp, the, the actual the actual interaction with the systems is you spam your X-Men power over and over until everything is dead. I was a soldier. I didn't have that power. Hmm. That is a terrible shame. You should have X Men powers. Yeah, the X Men powers are pretty awesome. My gun and I knocked people over with it, and I found great pleasure in that. Yeah, but I mean, there are so many other. But games... you could teleport. You could like teleport and stuff. It's so great. Well, there are so many other games where even just the melee rifle stock butt action is more satisfying. And yeah. I mean, this one gave you sort of a power up punch where you had the Omni Blade, which never made exact sense within the fiction, but it was at least something. Pretty nifty. It was mild. The stabby motion. It was mildly nifty, honey. (laughs) In comparison to the fireball punch of being an engineer, it is mildly nifty. You know what? I was perfectly fine with a soldier because... This one had connect support, which means you could just yell... I guess it could understand you. Well, no, it was it it, it it did pretty well at understanding if you said Liara Warp, it would actually do it. But it also meant that you had to remember all the names of powers, which is troublesome <laughs> because the class varies slightly between characters. Yeah. So, like, two characters of the identical class are slightly different. You can't say Liara Warp to somebody else. If well, like, if if you go into, say, the Citadel missions with Jack, because she's an option now, I don't think she gets warp. She gets something else that is like warp. And you want to say warp, but it's not that thing. Well, that and there's also war assets, which is still, which is still dumb. dumb. Still dumb and wrong. It matters. Like, you actually had to have well, it was 100% of your war assets to get, like, parts of the world to not blow up in crap. It yes. never felt like it mattered, 
but like the game really would try to push it and try to push this idea that these war assets mattered. If, I never if, felt like it did. Well, there's one point where I felt like it did, where it's you have to choose one race that gets destroyed. Yeah, unless you have enough war assets, essentially. Yeah, there's that, but that felt shoehorned in. When you think about it, like yeah, you easily done that without the war assets, and it still have the same level of impact. I don't feel like the war assets added anything um, that couldn't have been done without story. Like they could have been written out and just had story instead. Yeah, and honestly, I think that that whole the whole section I'm referring to would have been a lot more powerful had they just made you make one of those two choices. Yeah. Kind of sad. But, you know, yeah. they wanted to put some sort of gimmick in to make you think that it mattered. Which is something, you know, I, I wasn't into. Like, it wasn't until I read it. So I'm like, oh, this is actually important and I should actually care about it. Well, I played enough multiplayer that my war ass is fine by the end of it. Um, so if I forgot to deal with it in the game, I was like, eh, play some multiplayer, it's fun. And again, if you're doing a playthrough with all the DLC, you're in a similar boat where it's less like, eh, side, you, you can leave so many side quests aside. Yeah. Well, that's it. Like, there's, there's not a lot of interesting side quests in Mass Effect uh, 3. Well, there's this really awkward thing that I think they borrowed from Dragon Age 2 where you would eavesdrop on conversations and then you would find the one hidden thing, a little collectible doodad, that you could then go back to the guy you eavesdropped on, and it's like, hi, I'm Commander Shepard. I heard you had a problem with your cooling. I found this whole new dis- schematic for cooling systems. That should solve your problem. And that's somehow 20 war assets to retaking Earth or building the Crucible or whatever. And, ah. Uh, it, it just didn't like, it all fed into this one system, and this one system was a little too abstract and dumb. Yeah. See, I thought <sighs> the requisitions and inquisition were going to be like that, but that doesn't seem to be the case. Really. Well, it, it requisitions and inquisition are just easy easy power. Yay, I like easy power, except for I have over 100 power, and I don't know what to spend it on. I got nothing really to spend it on except the main plot now, and I'm like, that's lame. I want to do that right now. All right. Is there anything else that's important to talk about before we go to the DLC? Wheels, is there anything you can think of, my dear? Um, I don't think so. When you think about it, this game is both a mess, but I still, part of me still kind of loved it. It, it is a beautiful mess. It is beautiful. Yes, that is Step a good way to describe and it. it. And you appreciate it. When I was ignoring the main story, I was a very happy camper. When I was dealing with the main story, I would look at Scott and go, does this make sense? And he would just smile and go, just go with it, because no one does. <laughs> yeah. And he'd be like, okay, sweetie. <laughs> so speaking of just go with it, there's Javik, the first DLC. Day one, a bonus character. He's a Prothean. He's been in a box for 50,000 years. And he's a tool. And he really should have been a part of the main game. Well, I'm sorry. That no, that I think the main <laughs> game is with, better without him. Because he's a tool. I'm just saying, for the people who do like him, his mission is exactly two things. It is two things. So what was the point of that when I could have just had that shoehorned into my main game as if I gave craps about him, go get him, right? Instead of paying, what was it, $15? Uh, I think 15? 12 maybe. Something dumb like that. Ow! Did you know? It was not worth the time or effort because that, that DLC, I even did the write-up actually for the site for that one. 
And I think I said it was about two hours too long and really pointless. Yeah, his commentary in the whole situation back ass words and insulting, like it's infuriating. It's like, did you know Solarians used to be a valuable good stuff? I'm like No way. That was an excellent addition to the situation, buddy. Thank you so much. You know what? I'm just gonna I'm, I'm gonna spend the ESO so I can have your unique skill on my character and then not ever actually use you again or respond to your question. I, I found Because you're so a dickweed. I, I didn't like him. Like, I thought he was I mean, really pointless. And there are Bioware games with unrepentant dickweed characters, but there's something redeeming about them. Dorian? Jo- well, Dorian or HK or half the Derek? evil... Derek? Half the evil characters in Baldur's Gate 1 and 2. And Javik is just... Man, he's, he's I hate interacting with you every single like, time. Like, for a Bioware character, Javik's just not fun to... Like, if there's nothing that makes you feel compelled to go talk to him or do things for him, you're just kind of like, you can sit in the corner and be over there. Ashley is racist, but Javik is insulting. And if I could erase those two characters, I think my Mass Effect, you know, game would be kind of complete, because I can deal with whining Caden. Caden's just whiny. That's all his issue is. Ashley, Ashley was insufferable. Javik Javik just kind of escalates the level of insufferability. And I just, as soon as I finished the DLC, I was like, and you will never, ever be used again. Go to your corner, because that's what it is. I'm like Freddy Prince, who I actually used a couple times. Okay, so the next DLC was the extended cut, which was mildly better, maybe. I don't know. I like the Leviathan. That was kind of interesting. Well, the, That's well, not in the ending. Well, the, the extended cut is just, hey, it does manage to at least explain the gaping plot holes concerning the, the characters at the end. And did, then, did you play it, Wheels? That I did. The extended cut? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, I didn't. It, it's, not much, it's not worth much. That's why they gave it to you at the price of... Oh, God. If I had to pay money for that... Uh... And then there was Leviathan, which I thought was kind of... Iffy, because well, oh my god, there was a giant aqua monster. Well, Leviathan was more was was more just plot hole patching, where they're like, okay, we're gonna try to do our best to maybe explain the origins of Reapers, but at the same time, it's just it's there. The, the combat there, there's there's a combat sequence that's just a chore, and because there's gotta be one combat sequence chore, I'm looking at you turret section before the final element of London. You know, <laughs> I would say that the next DLC actually had more of a chore section. Well, Omega. Omega. Uh, um, because well, that literally had your chores. You had to find a couch. Not just that. One of the missions is you deal with waves upon waves of dudes, because everybody loves a giant wave upon wave of dudes at a body count, which is uh, really boring. Yeah, so Omega is where Cerberus has claimed the space station of Omega. So you have alien, purple alien Carrie Ann Moss reclaim this so you can have more war assets so you can help Earth because that matters. Also, so she gets a couch. And a couch. Which is really important. So you get to see a female Turian finally, and then there's some stuff, and they introduce a new enemy that's kind of interesting and kind of a chore to fight, and then it's over. Yay! 
And then there's Sims, <laughs> which is the only one worth buying, because you know what? I got my dance party. I already mentioned that. It's still the best part. Oh my god, especially when they have the drinking game where the couches are tipped over and Grunt's all like, I had so many drinks that we shot some dudes! We shot holes through my wall? Okay, so, dudes. so Citadel is... is it's two, random. It is two parts. There is part one, in which Cerberus made an evil clone of Shepard, not because having a clone of Shepard that's actually interested in aligning with Cerberus' interests makes sense, but no, for spare parts, yes, it's parts the clonus horror, horror all over again, and this clone is now going to steal your life and do things differently, so you have to... Or not even differently, I suspect she'd choose all the renegade options. So, in She's my playthrough... your paragon. Well, except I would, in my playthrough of this, I was a renegade, so it was just sort of like, hey, I want to be the one who's an asshole to everyone in space. Not you. Not you. So you sit there, and you do that, and it's kind of like, man, Cerberus, you are so many play plot contrivance rolled up into one. Your reward is a dance party. And then there's the second half, which is a big pile of fan service, which, you know what, for closing out a trilogy, I'm perfectly fine with. Everybody likes I dislike the insistence that it's the real ending, because it's just <laughs> a little... It's a little bit pornographic. Not in the <laughs> actual porn sense, because, porn. you know, Trainer crawls into a hot tub in her bra, which is the same bra... You wear. Are there sand? Are there standard issue underwear? Underwear for for the System Alliance? I I don't know. But pretty precious. It's just a bunch of in jokes and gags and fun little diversions with all of the characters from all of the games. And it's nice to have that little bit of send off. But ultimately, it is fluff. I'm okay with it. Well, and this is it. Is the ending? <laughs> there's the main ending, which is terrible. And then there's the Citadel ending, air quotes, which is functionally the last scene of Star Trek PNG, where everyone just sort of sits down and plays poker together. And, you know, the captain says, why didn't I do this before? And everyone's like, well, yeah, no, why didn't you? You should have done this before. And then they didn't make any terrible movies that ruined that ending for TNG. That's right. Didn't happen. No. Like Nemesis will not go away. Didn't happen. Hey guys, I just saw this great movie. It's called Nemesis or something. Real st- Star Trek Nemesis deserves to be. No, it doesn't exist. Go away. It's one of those things that just you cry a little bit. I'm not a no. real trekker. I just I just watch all the movies when they're on at Christmas, and I always no. get to see one with Kim Cattrall and Iman. And every time I see it, I'm like, Iman, you're still hot. Do you? But but I have oh, this DVD case. It says Star Trek Nemesis on it. Feels. Oh, it's, it's like you're trying to remember that the guy who directed Executive Decision did nothing but crap afterward. Be <laughs> worse. Could be Hercules in space. So there's there's Mass Effect three really when you think about it in so, a nice condensed shell. That was it. It is it is a beautiful mess. Yes. The best way to describe it. I mean, did I enjoy my time with the trilogy? Trilogy, absolutely. I adored it. Like, there are parts of it where I can go, this doesn't make a lick of sense, but you know what? I'm having fun, and that's okay, too. Yeah. Unless you're Scott, and you're a curmudgeon who's just like, this makes no sense. I'm like, just go with it and have fun. Look, it's also, cute. 
Unless you did not save Rex, then you just do not deserve then any you're heartless funds. Yes. You're just heartless and wrong. I don't care if Morden lives. It's not worth Rex's life to do it. Also, still wish there was a button to let me nuke both Caden and That still needs to be a button. Because neither of them were worth Also, we didn't really talk about Vega, but he was the only... And Edie. They were kind of the two new... Well, Edie's new in that she's playable now, and she's Vega... She's a hot robot babe, and Vega is a really, really foolish man who... He has a couple adorable moments, but he is no Iron Bull. Right, Funny Prince Jr. plays both characters, and Vega, I just remember, I bent immediately, because I was like, you annoy me. Cortez, however, you are a hot gay man, and I hope you find a wonderful gay boyfriend. Cool. I don't know why Vega got his own movie, especially when that movie was such a foregone conclusion. Okay. He's oh. now Iron Bull. That's all that matters. He's and Iron Bull now, and that's better. I love Bull. Why didn't I run a bull? I don't know, honey. For some reason, they decided to sell DLC for this game with action figures. Also, there was a bunch of the little multiplayer packs. Which the, mul- the multiplayers were just... The, the packs were more maps and more character options. If the character options had not been randomized, it would have been lovely. But there you go. You're just mad because you didn't get half the ones you wanted. But you also didn't spend as much time as it time on it as I did because I wouldn't let you play. Yeah, you, you stole the copy of the game I had, in my I had Xbox. Girls night, okay? no, you, had girl, you had ladies' night with Liz and Kim. And Fran and Steph. We rotated. One of us always sat out and heckled the other. It was great. And sometimes you'd meet a random guy who would be surprised at how supportive you were of each oh, other. Oh, God. Okay, so... Yeah, you should tell that story. So there was this one time where I was playing multiplayer with Liz from RPG Fan, him when she was still working at RPG Fan, and I want to say it was Stephanie, who she's the PR lady at Capcom. She does all the Monster Hunter stuff. And we were playing. Steph was sitting out. And we got this random dude in our game. And he was so confused that there was a bunch of women, first off, playing the multiplayer. And he was just so confused. He's like, you guys are so supportive of each other. And we're like, well, yeah. Like, we treat this like it's a team effort. Like, like you're supposed, you're supposed to. to. Right? <laughs> so confused. Because he's like, everyone I play with, they're such douche canoes. Like, it's all, like, one in themselves, and it's like, we don't play like that. You can play with us anytime you want. We invited him back, and he actually did play with us a couple more times. Turns out he was a game developer. But which company was with? Um, I don't remember, but he was working on an MMO at the time. He was... And he's, he was a lovely guy, and he was just so happy to, like, play with people who actually, you know, were trying to make him a team effort. Not all about who had the best kills, which, playing with Liz was kind of painful because Liz wanted all, all the kills. She, she's, she wasn't very good at getting them. She's OG Vanguard. She made the games really fun to play, though. I played with Liz. OG Vanguard. But we had fun. We had fun, because usually it was always like, all right, Liz fell down, let's go get her, before, you know, she times out again. Well, it, it was a nice little, like, two, like two, one person would do cover while the other resurrected Liz. Basically, Kim and I played defense. We were the, the meat shields, like, we would go in, because we usually played soldiers. And because Liz was nuts, I love you, Liz, we had to usually go save Liz. So one of us would have to be, like, shooting. The other one would go in and res Liz. And then we'd try to make sure that one of us wasn't killed in the process. Try. We were being tried, because usually we got ganked up on. I was playing on, like, we got to the stage where we got to play on, like, Silver a lot. So we were starting to get pretty good at it. It Just sometimes it was like, Liz, I love you. Where are you going? Come back right now. (laughs) 
because you know they had three rankings. You know, there was a bronze, a silver, and a gold, and basically the higher the rank, like the more you really had to work together as a team to keep the waves down. People just didn't. I played with Glenn actually a couple times. Glenn was really good. Like he was so happy. Like half the time he's like, "Oh my god, someone's playing multiplayer with me." I'm like, "Wait, what?" Doesn't he <laughs> practice a lot with his brother with multiplayer stuff? Usually, but I don't remember at the time if his brother had the game or not. There was, there was something where... But he played with, with Kim, Liz, and, and Steph and I a couple times. Uh, so did Chloe when she worked for us. He played with Chloe a lot, too. For some reason, just we all liked to play together, and we were just super supportive, and it was like the best friend babysitter's club sort of time. It was awesome. It would stand for like three in the morning playing with these ladies, because they were just, they made it fun. Like, when we had a random person in our group who wouldn't talk to us or, you know, we're like, oh, it's girls. You don't know how many times we got that. Oh, girls. And you don't know how many times we would outrank that person every time they came in. Why? Because we knew what we were doing. <laughs> when one person decides to go off and be the renegade, it usually means you die a lot. This thing called teamwork. And in the Mass Effect multiplayer, you kind of need it. Weird in a co-op multiplayer that you need hey, to cooperate. People didn't. That was the thing. <laughs> it's weird how much cooperation plays a role in co-op elements. I don't. I don't get it, man. Hush you. Most of the time, I played when I played on with random idiots. They did not want to cooperate with me, so I would get all these wonderful kills. Like, oh, stupid bitch got more kills than me, and I'd be like, really? You just called me that because I kicked your ass. Really? That's why I hate multiplayer Microsoft. You know, online. Any idiot can talk through it. Usually, really upset me. I'm not gonna lie. So that was the Mass Effect 3s. Yeah? Neil, did you try the multiplayer? I played it a Never fair played amount. It. Yeah. Had I? No. Had I? Um, I didn't play it a ton, but I did enjoy what I did play of it. Uh, you know, it's kind of just. Uh, what was I gonna say? It, it was like um, it was nice to have like a co-op shooter type thing that actually tied into an RPG instead of kind of just playing and not really working towards anything. I guess. Think about it. That was the best way to get the stupid war assets. Yeah. And doing and the, was, the stupid work. And it was fun. So. You know, like I, multiplayer side quest busy work. I think <laughs> I'll actually go with multiplayer. Yeah. Yay! We did it. We talked about Mass Effect. The trilogy's Ooh. over. Stop asking for more. Yeah. Okay. Fans, so. do us a favor. Do not ask for more. I know that you all love it, but you're not doing it any favors. <laughs> FYI. Stop buying comics. Like, They're never good. Like, let, let Fireware put it to bed. Let it go work on that other thing it's working on. I don't even remember what it's called. I really don't care. I think they've changed it again. Some Whatever. <laughs> and accept that it's over. Okay, you have to accept it. It's hard to let go, especially with that ending. Yeah, it's done, guys. It's done. So do we have another segment to do? Man, our segments have segments on the RPG backtrack. You know that. Holy right, cow! So play, play, play the music, and we'll do the thing. We're gonna play. We're gonna play the music. Yeah, we'll be right back.
heard, this is the Blast from the Recent Past segment where we go over one or more games that came out about two years ago, so you can decide whether or not you want to go and pick it up on sale, or if you've already bought it like certain people have for the show, or if you want to be smart and you just haven't just... played it, <laughs> you ah. may use it as a coaster, yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, the first game on our list might actually, uh, might actually qualify for the coaster category. It is Realms of Ancient War, developed by Focus Home Interactive, released on October 4th, 2012, on the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. And I can't help but notice as I'm looking at the Metacritic page, there's a lot of red on this page. That's uh, because it's deserved. a really bad Diablo clone that went on for too long. Okay, so Raw thinks it has the story, and oh. every time it thought that we thought that the story was over when we played it, it would add more story, and it wouldn't make any more sense, but it's just like, here's some more story, and we're like, but this but made we, it sound like we thought it was done. But we did the things! You told us to do these five things, we, did, we did the five things, and now you want us to do three more things. And it just kind of collectively like, kept going like And it that. kept going like that. We do the three more things, and then it would be like, no, the, the guy we were doing the things for was evil the whole time, so you have to do two more things and then fight the evil guy you helped. Which, by the way... And, by, and that sequence was literally us just running through mobs. We stopped fighting anything. We would just drop our AoE attack, yeah. walk forward, and they chase us, but we just drop the AoE again until uh, we got to a door. And we do that. We gave up. But you know what? Ma did one thing right that for some reason, after finishing Diablo 3, I was a bit surprised. So I'm going to throw it out there. Diablo 3, I really hated it. But I realized something. Diablo 3 has no concept of split-screen gear. Like the couch, like raw implemented couch co-op better than Diablo 3. Did. And I kind of thought that was embarrassing. Like, that's embarrassing. Raw is a terrible pile of garbage, but at least it like, understood. We always, knew, we always knew when we had to change our gear. It's like, okay, this one's actually better. Whereas when we played Diablo 3 together, I'd have to, like, wait till Scott was done, then I got my turn to do it. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, you guys really couldn't implement a split-screen co-op where you could look at the gear at the same time. You yeah. really couldn't figure that out with Blizzard. You, the almighty Blizzard, couldn't figure out how to do that. That's Blizzard, really interesting. Kings of Mirror Polish couldn't do it. So like, and this is just a, this is like a fifth-rate Diablo clone. And having now played Diablo, I really don't see the big deal. But well, three is the worst Diablo. It doesn't I, help. I just kind of looked at it and was like, you know, I don't. I I hated it. I thought it was absolutely dry. It was dry. Okay, the story was dumb. And I it's, sat there and I was like... That's what we played okay. Diablo I know, for. I know, right? I obviously was the wrong person for Diablo because I was like thinking to myself, everyone tells me the lore is so cool. And I was like... Well, the, pro- is the really- lore is great. None of it's in the game. And that was just it. I was expecting something that ended up not being there. I honestly think, you know, I'm sure if you're playing Diablo 3 on PC and you have people to play with, it's great. Unfortunately, well, playing on a console is not fun. Implementation is really bad. Raw got it right, and that was kind of sad because it got everything else wrong. It got everything else wrong. So let's, uh, well, in the interest of time, let's move on to something a little more positive. I got a few more things right. Let's talk about. Black and white didn't get a lot right. What are you talking about? Let's talk about Pokemon Black and White. Compared to Raw, I think it did a little better. Let me give Black you the, and white. Let me give you the stats you, real fast, real fast. 
developed by Game Freak. I'm told by my editor-in-chief I have to do this. Developed by Game Freak, published by Nintendo. This was released on the Nintendo DS in North America on March 6, 2011, an RPG no DS experience. Now go. Okay, so Pokemon Black and White did the most mature, intellectually and intellectually honest thing writing a game's writing can do, which is question its own premise. The villain of the game straight up asks you, the player and the ca- player character, whether or not what you're doing is right. That was kind of And awesome. the answer is la la la, trolley lolly friendship. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Like, the anime does a better job of confronting this issue by going, Pokemon weren't meant to fight like this. Here's a you want to talk Crying about Black and White? Go read Cassandra's piece that she wrote for my feature, I Should Have Loved You. And the reason I say that is because she actually dissects Black Black and White's plot, and she basically states why she thought it was actually better than whatever X and Y was trying to do. I mean, a Pokemon plot is kind of silly to like be judgmental but it, over, it, but it that sat was... there and it, it took the big step. It did. And, and then it... backed away from it. And you gotta wonder at the end of the day why, why they bothered that. Like, why even bother? If all it had been was, hey, you're a kid, there are Pokemon out there, catch them, there's this team doing bad stuff. That's what we're used to. Go for it. You could just say, oh, it's another Pokemon. This one dared to be mature, and when it stared into the abyss, it, was it blinked first. <laughs> <laughs> it blinked first. I was going to say, Wheel, did you play this one or no? Uh, this was the one that finally made me try and play these again, because it was a lot faster than the previous one. It is. This one yeah. actually, mechanically, I I was fine with for the most part. Um, it gave me the one of the cutest Pokemon ever, which was, and I hate his name. I think his name is really stupid. It's Epic. Epic is a really stupid name, and his name should have been Baconator, which is what I named him. <laughs> this is good yeah, and proper. I'm sorry, but when you have a little a little piggy, and I get that there's a, a stupid joke. There, there, there's a there's a gig there, there's a joke in there, and there's a heat pun, which I'm like, you stick to those puns, Nintendo localization guys. But, but you missed a big opportunity by not, by not incorporating them. bacon or pork chops or any other food terminology into those puns. You missed the boat, kids. You missed the boat. I totally ended up, and my nephew will attest to this. Um, I called that thing Baconator. So every time like it came up, it was in big letters, all caps. Baconator, <laughs> and my nephew would be like. And Sam, you do realize his name's Tepe. I'm like, no, it's Baconator. Just, Baconator. If you're going to play with me, we call him Baconator. <laughs> he just kind of looks like, my aunt is crazy. <laughs> my, my nephew is like, he's as bad as our wonderful Cassandra Ramos. Like, he will get all the Pokemon. Has to buy two versions and get all the Pokemon in both versions. And, like, Ugh. he's crazy. So he'll get mad at me because I just, like, I go... I, 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 I miss not... I miss free time of youth when I could do that. Because, yeah. like, the, I look back on all the things could do with that amount of time. I could have taught myself a third musical instrument, if really, but never mind. So yeah, Pokemon. That one was pretty good. I liked it. I, I was not I was it, not saddened by it. it. Is, I'm not liking is. the new one, though. I'm having a hard time getting into 
It, it is a Pokemon game. It does Pokemon. It's, it's my perfect mindless thing that I play. Dude, all the kids before my exam last semester, like all the first year kids were totally playing Alpha Sapphire and Omega Ruby, and my cataloging teacher was giving them the dirtiest look because they weren't studying for the exam that they were clearly walking into. They were hey, going Pokemon. There, there were trades going on. Oh yeah, there was a lot of trading. And like, you, I, there was me you, going like, I want to talk to you kids, but I forgot my 3DS. Like, if you weren't ready for the exam at that point, you weren't ready ever. So you may as well trade Pokemans. That's what first catalog, first year cataloging will do to you. It'll just make you cry into a corner, and then third year cataloging makes you do that. <laughs> so, so the next thing, Silent hmm. Hill. So we go, we go from a really, yeah, we go from a really cheerful, happy, go lucky game to Silent Hill: Book of Memories, developed by WayForward Technologies, published by Konami. This was released in North America on October sixteenth, twenty twelve, on the PlayStation Vita. This is a survival horror hack and slash single and multiplayer experience. Go for it! Uh, this was a weird, weird game. Let me tell you. I played this one. Yeah. Yeah, I played it at Run to the Sun. I know exactly oh. which one this one is. I can tell you a really good Run to the Sun story. But you go first, sweetheart. Okay, so... I, love, I guess I love that Scott guy, too. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying to remember some of the story details, but basically... It's pick... not a story. Come on, now. Well, it, yeah, it doesn't really focus a lot on the story. <laughs> but you pick a character, and you're, like, in your dreams, something about a book of memories, and you kind of... I guess, like, I, I don't know if you, like, change people or change, basically, events that are going to happen. Yeah, that was, little, that was what I remember it being. Yeah, it's it's a little messed up, and it kind of throws you little bits of story as you're going through the hack-and-slash dungeon bits, uh, mm-hmm. but not a ton. You know, you almost kind of wished with this particular game that they just didn't bother with the story at all, because really, <laughs> this game is just you walk up to dudes, you axe them, yeah. You have broken weapons, you find <laughs> new weapons, you unlock puzzle rooms because everybody likes puzzles in rooms. Hey. Well, oh, hell doesn't yeah. really do the puzzles. This one was really, I remember from what I got to play, there was quite a bit of puzzle, and there was also a lot of, find the key! Oh no, there are things coming at your face, you need to do something. Yeah, yeah that sounds had, like a Silent Hill puzzle. But here's the thing, this one had four-player Co-op. Yeah, it did. With the Vita. Although, I never nifty. really did much with that. Right. Well, that's because, let's face it, when it came well, out, nobody really had it. It was ad hoc local, wasn't it? Yes. I think and, it had online. I think it had online. It yeah. We, um, we did, at in Konami's office, uh, the year that this game came out, we did Run to the Sun, and that was, that and Little King Story, New Little King Story, were the two games came out we wish. And Tom Hewlett gave us a Vita each. And he uh, said, just go to town. If you accidentally kill each other, it's okay. <laughs> and we did. We were actually, the, the four of us were playing. It was myself, Michael Cunningham, Emmanuel Marino, and Adrian Denouden. And, like, we actually, like, were talking it out. And Tom just kept giving us these looks like, they're, they're talking it out. Like, what is this? And we're like, hey, we gotta go this way. No, this, weird, this weird cooperative supportive thing RP Gamer <laughs> does for each other. But see, here's the funny it thing. It's anathema okay? to gameplay online, apparently. If, if you're lucky enough when you guys do, if you ever do a backtrack for the last story, if you're fortunate... Isn't that the next, next it week's might be thing? Next and if you're yeah. lucky enough to have Michael Cunningham on the show, please ask him about 
our visit to Exceed, and how we all tried to murder each other in the last uh, in the last story multiplayer. Oh my god, I always so forget that, that has, game had multiplayer. That that's what I mean. Like you, you know, I talk about a cooperative kinship with with uh, Book of Memories here, but anytime a game allowed us to beat the living snot out of each other, um, we were vicious. <laughs> <laughs> um, I still treat Adrian like crap over some of this. I don't feel sorry for him. He's earned it most of the time. My poor mother would disagree. <laughs> um, but yeah. I don't agree with your mother about Adrian dead Sorry. sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, there, there's no sense of camaraderie. What your memories forced us because one of us would get lost and the other would be like, okay, I'm going to go find whoever got lost. Then we'd have to find the person who got lost and go back to the task and then be like, what the heck are we doing? <laughs> we, we just talked it out and like the representatives of comedy just give us this weird look like, okay, I guess that's one way to play the game. What is what is this strange co-op thing? I don't understand. We, we had fun. Like, you know what? I mean, I don't think I could play Book of Memories by myself all the way through. I don't think I could. But uh, I didn't like should... it enough to do it. It's actually more my issue. But I had fun, admittedly, playing it with other people because, for what it's worth, you know, solving puzzles together is kind of fun. Why do you think we started making escape rooms as a thing that you can do with your friends? You know, like 999 only without the murder because, you know, I think escape rooms would close down if murder happened. Yeah, we did uh, We did one of those escape rooms. They were pretty funny, especially since they can't really <laughs> lock the doors for fire codes, so you really no. can't just walk out when you want, but... <laughs> At least, did you, did you fail or did you succeed? Uh, we pretty much, yeah, we, we still fail. Do you have to carry, like, signs around saying, like, epic fail and stuff? Because mm-hmm. those, are, those are my favorite parts of seeing pictures from escape rooms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seeing the faces people make. But that has nothing to do with Silent Hill, but... No. Yeah. You were, so... you were the reviewer, though, weren't you, Wheels? Yes. What did uh, you give it, Mike? I believe... Uh, rack like my memory here. I think I gave it a 3-5. Oh, gave it wow. Yeah. That wasn't actually, sounded like a three five conversation. <laughs> well, I actually quite enjoyed it quite a bit. Like, uh, you know, I think if you go in expecting Diablo, I'm going to get all kinds of cool loot. Yeah. Uh, you're going to hate this the, game. The loot is a different kind of golf club. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it really... and there's probably some sort of trophy for getting a full set of golf clubs. You know what? I have my video right here. I'm going to check on Wheels' account. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I remember that being a thing in Silent Hill the Room. If you had a full set of golf clubs, you got a perk. Well, the thing is, you can only have, like, two weapons at a time ever. Oh, yes, uh, that's right. That was the yeah. option they gave you. Yeah, which well, is... They, they learned from the other Silent Hill where you just had a puffy vest full of televisions. <laughs> I never played a Silent Hill before. Well, well, that was, uh, like, this... Silent Hill Downpour. This is actually the only Silent Hill game I've ever played. Was yeah, Silent Hill Book of Memories? Uh, Did any? How many of those got ported? I gotta, I gotta see. Cause I might go back and try to play some on PC now. Now that you have a, a few. How's that but, Cars game you've been playing, Wheels? Uh, I play that to entertain my son. It's 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 okay, except it, it is suitable for entertaining babies. Yes, it. It's, how is my training wheels? Is he good? He's doing good, yeah. Yay. He loves cars, so he enjoys me watching me play that game. He maybe he can play it himself. Yeah. Maybe and I can get him maybe I can get him to watch me play Mario Kart instead. That's some work, buddy. 
<laughs> Lightning McQueen is very different. You know, um, we, we had the same problem when, when Scott and I first started going out. My nephew was what? He was, first one. He was, he was at the point where Cars was life. Cars was the only thing that mattered. <laughs> we had to watch it Pretty every sh- time we saw him. Oh, I've I've watched it probably thirty times or so. And you know what? Like, it's still a really cute movie, but I'm like, yes, I the sequel not so much. Well, which is the thing. I like the sequel more than the original, if only because the man who knew too much is a better movie than Doc Hollywood. <laughs> That's being all smarty farty. Yeah. Um, I don't know. For the record, if you haven't seen Doc Hollywood, it is exactly Cars. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it doesn't have cute animation. Yeah, but if you're looking for a better Doc Hollywood, there's La Grande Séduction, where it subverts the small town charm because the small town is running a giant con operation on the doctor. I believe... And it's wonderful. I believe somebody told me this one focused. Uh, Silent Hill, Book of Memories. So we're, we're, we're in the wind down phase, so bugger everything. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, like, going into doing all the things and, and being all grumpy pants, and then I start talking, and then I kind of enjoy myself, and I'm like, oh, wait, I'm an ass. Let me let me swing it back to Silent Hill, Book of Memories. Cars and training. No, wheels. no is more it, cars. I it, have enough cars. Is it worth? <laughs> is it worth ten to fifteen dollars? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Because that's um, what I'm seeing it for on uh, Half dot com. Uh, I would say so because you know it. Uh, kind of the survival horror element. You know, you have to worry about your weapons degrading, finding new weapons, finding healing items. Um, it really it, it it definitely was a lot of fun for the length of the single player campaign. Uh, there's also like uh, I think the single player campaign went up to like 21 floors, and it actually goes up to 100 if you want to. Uh, so I guess there's some extra room if you enjoy the multiplayer or enjoy playing it single player and want to keep going. But uh, I, I think had I kept playing it, it may have uh, worn out its welcome a bit. Uh, Pokemon Black and White is running about twenty twenty five bucks used, but of course our users only demand the best. They want to pay for it brand new in a shrink wrap for forty some bucks. Sure, why not? Isn't that what Pokemon games usually retail for? Print. They, well, one, they don't depreciate for some reason. They don't depreciate. So there we go. I mean, it's a Pokemon. If you're into Pokemon, you're gonna get it. So get the Pokemon. Uh, did you play Zillia One? They're no. showing Zillia Two. That's, that's the bad Zillia. Don't away. don't jump ahead now. Hold on. No, We're gonna talk about this. We're gonna talk about this on the final lap. We'll be back in just a moment.
And welcome back. This is the final lap where we read your comments, tell you what we're doing, just goof off for a bit. Who knows? It's an open forum. Uh, in the uh, in the interest of some people who got to get to bed, I'm actually going to switch out the order just a little bit and just head right to that little section where we just talk about what we're doing, what we're reviewing on the site, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm going to start off with Miss Sam or Mrs. Sam. Whatever you want to call me. to be hanging in the bushes. It's fine, too. Mrs. S. Um... I did stuff. What did I do? I wrote a really, really cool feature that was supposed to just be an impression. So I got a code first we coded into my favoriteest game ever to play on the Vita or PS3, whichever I wanted. Go buy it now. And it could go buy it now. It's still perfect in every way as far as I'm concerned. And I was told, I should write an impression. How do you write an impression for a game that's basically like, and it's turn-based, and it did this? Like, it was just so benign to try to do it. Well, it's an impression... A game a, that's been out for like a, a long port. time. Not an impression of a remake, but a port. Yeah. So like there, there was no purpose to that. So you could literally just have rerun the original review Probably. with the added bonus of hey, yeah, it looks alright on a Vita. Oh, screen. you could have run yeah. it through Google Translate through a few different languages, let it come back to English and see how that came out. Yeah. Oh the localization of that game. That is that is its downfall. But I wrote a feature and instead of doing the impression as I was told, uh, it turned into something else. Um, I wrote a bunch of anecdotes about my relationship. Gonzo journalism in, in, I, on RP Gamer. It yeah, happens sometimes. I just, I have a very strong relationship. We go into a lot of my friendships that I've had for oh, as long as I've been with Scott, even longer. Um, have come out of speakers. So I mapped a lot of those relationships. I also learned that Zach Wellhouse was in half the same RPs as I was, which I thought was really crazy. Uh, I didn't know at all until we started talking, and he's like, yeah, I was in the same one you were. And I was like, oh my god, the small world. Um, so yeah, it was pretty great. And yeah, that's all I've done. Uh, I'm gonna head off. Bye! Good night, Sam. Bye. Thank you for being on the show, Sam. All right. Oh, How about you, Mr. Scott? Well, I'm kind of... Well, I just posted my review of the 5th edition Dungeon Master's Guide, which is almost good. Yeah, I saw that almost good. <laughs> well, and, and this is it. You, it immediately throws in... It, 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 it demands to be compared to with uh, the 3rd edition DMG2, which was wonderful and amazing, and the 4th edition DMG and DMG2, which were... Equal, which were just streets ahead of anything Watsy produced in a decade. And this is just like, hey, you should create a setting the most back-ass-words masturbatory way you can. And here's some subsystems. And, hey, magic items. They're a thing. Players don't need the need to refer to this section of the manual ever. Let's put it here and waste page count. And then we've got, oh, God, I'm, I'm going to call out the guy in the comments. The anime man who seems to think that being able to create 40 classes and races for a game is somehow a good thing. If you need that much specificity, there's jerks. And really, your DM can come up with 60 races but can't infer living construct rules for five? A rule set that has 60% of its DNA in common with the addition that gave us living constructs. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of an important that, that that's element. the point where I'm, I'm just baffled by like yeah. I'm baffled and then I'm really baffled. 
Yeah, you think they would have the depth of experience and the such to make sure they got in, you know, living constructs and the such. Oh, you know what? Just buy 13th age kids. That's what it really comes down to right now. Fair enough. Yeah, I saw you got uh, a few uh, a few replies on that thread already. Well, I mean, Raya, I don't know if that counts as a comment. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. As most people who listen to the show know, I've, I've actually had Raya on Ignore for quite some time, so it's been blissful. My experiences on the forums have been much better. Yeah. Uh, anything else you've been working on or anything you've been playing? Do anything fun for well, Christmas? I'm, I'm in the middle of writing a review for Far Cry 4. It's it, it's this weird step forward, step back from Far Cry 3. It's like they got rid of all the uncomfortable racial shit and now it's just slightly more boring. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think I'm going to... I finally got uh, Vampire the Masquerade r- Bloodlines running on a modern machine. Ooh, it's only a small, small headache to do that, and it only requires me to ha- tell Steam that it's fine updating my hardware every time I launch it. Is that Windows uh, seven or eight? Uh, seven. So to get to get it running in seven, you have to run it in compatibility mode with XP as admin. But that also means you have to run Steam as admin, which means it's going to ask you for permission. All the time. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, I've, I've been I've been through that a few times with some of my older uh, older games on Steam and Origin. Uh, Red Alert comes to mind, and then when I finally got it to work, all the color palette was all screwed up. I actually figured oh, out how screwed up, and the resolution is just wrong. Right, and I finally figured out with the Red Alert. Uh, this is the first Red Alert with uh, with Red Alert. In order to get the colors not to totally screw up. Uh, what I had to do was open up the uh, Windows uh, box, uh, the dialog box for the resolution settings, and not mess with them, but just leave that box open. As long as the box is open, the colors of the game come out just fine. Don't know why. I didn't even read that on the fact or, or you know, form. I just figured it out. I guess that's some it's of the... It's the thing that happens. It's the wonders of PC gaming. Master race, yo. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I will take it any day over whatever the Xbox One is doing to me, to hey, people. Hey, I'll take my I have to work for my backwards compatibility, then no backwards compatibility at all. Except for what they sell through the store. Yeah, Selling it back to you fun. again. Yeah, after they sell it to you again, because, you know, you got the disc from the last system, but hey, it won't work in the new system. Ha! Ah, but you can download it through the store. Anyways, we digress. Uh, what else? Anything fun you're doing? Anything exciting other than... Not really. I'm just masquerade. like, I just like to remind people that New Year's resolutions are bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not true. I kind of sort of met most, some of my, yeah, I mean, a few, sort of. I did really good on exercise till about uh, November when we had to go to Indonesia, because they really don't have gyms out there, so I did okay with that one, and uh, I've been doing really better with my blogging, but other ones that I made just complete the cracks. I couldn't do them all. Dakota, do you want to be on the show? Did you do something interesting, dog? Nah, you can see the dog on the camera. One day we'll get this. This is why the show needs to be live so you can stare at my dog as she molests me. So, uh, alrighty, Mister Apps, what's up with you? Uh, I'm still working on reviews for Hyperdimension Neptunia Re Birth Two Sisters Generation. What the Which hell? <laughs> Which one is that? There are how many Hyperdimension Neptunias? <laughs> uh, there are many. Uh, that is. There's the... four coming out this year. Yeah. Or lore. Sweet. This, this is not and that's not even abnormal. It's like two to three a year 
completely. That's just messed it's up. Disgusting. That's that <laughs> man. People criticize Assassin's Creed now for being an annual event. Holy cow! Uh, yeah, like I mean, you're getting two Neptunias. I mean, if you just look at a lot of but Idea Factory games, that. like look look at um, uh, Fairy Fencer F, which I actually kind of liked. Uh, look at Bugen Blah. Uh, and probably some of their other games, they all have like they all use like the same engine, uh, same kind of dungeon types, like same battle engine. Uh, it's really no surprise to me that they can pump out so many of these things. It's absurd. Sure. Same low grade production value. Yeah. With just character heads as cutscenes. <laughs> the good news is that uh, the one I've been playing is actually was uh, ported to the Vita by some other developer and it actually runs decently and is okay. You know, not amazing, but That's aside from some... my idea factory experience. Yeah, aside from some uh, disturbing segments, it's okay. So it's certainly a step up from Mugen Souls. Well, that's the problem. You're coming off of Mugen Souls. Everything looks good. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, anything else fun, exciting? Get to anything uh, for Christmas? Also, um, eh, I've also been playing uh, Alphadia Genesis on the Wii U for review. Just kind of what generic. It? It's like a generic Chemco uh, RPG. Huh. Kind of no, 62-bit style. Yeah. It's not 64-bit st- styled. I mean... Uh, 32-bit styled. Kind of reminds you of, like, Wild Arms. It's got, like, uh, kind of 2D graphics walking around and whatnot, and then 3D graphics in battle, kind of. Oh, I was all excited. Uh, I thought first, ooh, finally an RPG for the Wii U. Um, you know, I've been kind of excited for another RPG for a similar reason that I won't want to come on the Wii U, which I'll talk about in a bit, but but now you've told me it was kinky. Or kimchi or whatever yeah. the hell it's called. Yeah, uh, they don't deserve a name. <laughs> they don't deserve. Yeah, they, they deserve whatever they earn releasing the same game every week on the Google Play Store. <laughs> <laughs> you can't tell me. You can't prove to me they're not the same game. You can't. <laughs> no one's willing to play it to find out. No one's, <laughs> no one's willing to play two of them to determine. <laughs> oh. Ah, oh, shoot. What else? Uh, I've been playing Captain Toad on the Wii U as well, which is uh, miles better. Miles better than... Miles and miles... My, uh, better than the other two games I'm playing. Oh, better oh. Chemco oh. and Idea Factory. What are the competitors? Yeah, it looks like uh, Captain Toad doesn't have much competition there. <laughs> Even a mushroom uh, could nope. win this one. <laughs> no, it does not. <laughs> go mushroom, Go. Uh, that's too funny. Yeah, I've, I've heard uh, I've heard good things about it. I, I'm probably not going to pick it up because I'm not much of a fan of uh, puzzles, but uh, it does look very cute. It's definitely cute and fun, and got, I have no complaints about that. And uh, probably in it, I'm also this is kind of a running joke for me at this point. I'm also, I swear, for real this time, working on a review for Dot Hack GU Part One. <laughs> Sure most of the, you most are. of the other times, I have not actually been writing it, but at this point, did, I am actually what, writing it. Did you lose it. a bet? <laughs> no, I really liked that game. 
Right. I thought GU was the better dot hack. Yeah, the GU is the the is is theoretically the decent one. I actually bought. I saw it in uh, EB Games years ago. Uh, they had all three of the GU games on sale, and I remember Adrian talking about them on Backtrack, and I pick, bought picked them up, but I haven't played them. Uh, those are worth a lot at this point. Oh yay! See, that's why I pick them. It's, it's like ten bucks. I'll pick it up if I think it's even though I don't have time to play them. I figure. Isn't the last one of the original dot hack series worth even more now? Yeah, I, they, that's the thing. The last ones for each of those series are worth a lot. The earlier parts, maybe not so much, but it, it, if you sell it as a set, you could probably make a lot of money. Ooh, bank. Oh, I might need it after, uh, well, I'll tell you. <laughs> I, need, I might need some extra jingle. I tracked down a lot of those games uh, while GameStop was still selling PS2 games, so... Yeah, that's where I got them. Much, yep. Yep. Uh, but yeah, enjoyed that. I have started the second one a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I should have the review up for the first part soon. Cool, cool. Uh, give us a preview. Fun? Well, we better uh, not be holding our breath. Fun takes a little bit to get going. Story's really good. Uh, definitely feels like a part one, so um, I would not I would not like pick up part one. I, if, you, if you want to get into these, I would really consider getting all three parts if you think if if you think it's something you're gonna like you're probably just gonna get frustrated if you only have try and only play part one because hmm. it doesn't it doesn't it ends on a cliffhanger which is to be expected hmm. makes sense darn part ones <laughs> that's why people pay lots of money for my part three mahaha uh anywho okay uh how about mr minky well, the new thing was me trying to play Blackguards 2, and I may continue to try it, but it just runs so horribly on my system that it's kind of painful to watch as the screen creeps frame by frame away when I need to change the viewing angle. And I actually have to hold the mouse on a spot for a while to be sure that it's that the lag isn't so bad that I haven't clicked in the wrong area. Uh, and I, I even ran into a bug there where... I spawned the conversation that ended the battle while my lead apparently was dead, and then it just froze and stayed that way for a good ten minutes until I took out Task Manager and shut the thing down. That was not much fun. <laughs> sounds, about as much fun as, sounds about as much fun as uh, uh, um, Ubi's. You're, you're fun with Ubisoft this week. Mm, yeah, I, I would love to tell you that I've been playing Child of Light. Unfortunately, that would be incorrect because that demands that you play work on my machine, and it stubbornly refuses to. I I looked everywhere. I tried every possible means of right clicking and left clicking, and it gives me plenty of options. Yes, here is DLC. Here is your list of achievements. Here is the list of things that you can buy with your UPlay money. But there's no way to actually play the game that I could find, and that that was enough. I just said screw this and went to bed that night. <laughs> So, in other words, Ubisoft beat you. Like, you try to beat it like a game, but it beat you instead. Sure. Ubisoft I'll, wins. I'll run with that. Flawless victory. Flawless victory? Sure, why not? <laughs> apparently apparently, you want to be in Mortal Kombat mode. Hey, that, that, Mortal Kombat mode! That actually fits with something that I'll talk about in a little bit. I, I would give you play a fatality. <laughs> it, it I would rip its spine out. I would. 
And that's and I tell you that was you know similar to my experience. I, I did manage to get to work, but it, it ticked me off that I bought Child of Light and Steam and did not see that small print where you know down below it said extra DRM, UB play, whatever um, client required. So I, I entered the damn disk code by hand, and I still got this crap. Still doesn't work. Oof, that's evil. Um. Otherwise, I continue to play Ephemeral Fantasia. It, it's actually quite soothing to play it in little spurts where I can laugh at it for a little while before I get bored. I I recently recruited a painter who looks remarkably like an, an elderly Chinese man cro- crossed with a rat. I hate to say it that way, but he really does. And he is, of course, a, st- a stinking pervert who wants to... <sighs> Why am I even justifying this? It's not a good game, but it has an interesting idea. So someone should remake it and do it much, much better. Uh... And I continue to play that horrible Dragon Ball Z game because I like to hurt myself. In fact, once it's done, I'm probably going to give it a one. Ouch. I tell you, Phil, this is one of the few games where if you get your butt kicked repeatedly in a scenario, what what do you do? You get to go back to older scenarios and replay them, and there's no way to save in the middle of them. So if the cards don't go your way, as they didn't, then you can just lose 45 minutes of progress because you can't save in the middle of the scenarios. Isn't that wonderful? That's great gameplay design. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, and I just read the first two volumes of Injustice, Gods Among Us, which is that's that's good stuff. I like it. Oh yeah, yeah. They had a they had a they had some of those books on uh, sale on Amazon. So um, uh, the electric Comics books are way better than they deserve than it deserves because the game is just wrong and bad in a lot of ways, and the comic is just like no, let let's examine what power means for. <laughs> three years now. Yeah, I've only gotten through year one, which means that it ended with Superman breaking Batman's back. Yeah. Uh, which is a good way to end it, honestly. Now it's, i got to get year two. It's a good two. note to conclude on. But yeah, no, it, it picks back up again. And year two is just as strong. How's year three? Uh, I haven't gotten to that yet either. Okay. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have waited this long, but you know, Amazon will occasionally get something on back order and then just hold it for a while, and I didn't. I just let it slide. And eventually, it did come, and oh, I was. You know, it's worth noting that the single issues are like a buck on Comicsology. Like, it's pretty easy to just buy three or four at a time and just go through them. I'll probably do that for year two. Year one, I, I like the snazzy hardbound book approach, and you know, they are they do look really good, but. I don't necessarily need that much gloss. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm done for now. I've had it, Phil. Mm. Well, just going to take a moment to remind all of our listeners to go over to rpgamer.com where you can find news reviews. We're home to the best RPG gaming community on the net. we got a whole bunch of great stuff for you to, to check out for uh, more retro-related stuff. We have uh, we have an interview um, with uh, Hairbrain Schemes. Uh, they're doing a Kickstarter for Shadowrun Hong Kong. If you remember their Shadowrun, I forget what the subtitle was, but the Shadowrun game they came out not that long ago go was super was super fun um who earns shadow run yeah uh so that's pretty cool there's an interview there and i plan to kickstart that one i can kickstart the last one totally worth it uh we also have a retro review by somebody named mike minky for ease the oath and felgana i don't think we talked about that last show did we not, not much no all i said all i said pretty much was here i i plugged in a game that was actually kind of fun yeah yeah, so make sure you, and, you know you know people analyze ease plot happenings, and I 
couldn't really care. I I play ease games to kill things really fast, and I do that. You know, and I mean, I don't know of too many sites like ours. I do know a couple, <laughs> but I don't know too many sites like ours that are going back and playing uh, these old games and writing up full reviews from from a vantage point of you know year twenty fifteen. So you might want to go and check that out. We have uh, let's see. Uh, so I, let me, well, I'm gonna skip this one for a moment. It's a little. More. Um, we we also have a uh, an interview uh, from Victor with Victor Ireland who is with Gaijin Works uh, talking about class of still heroes still relevant G. somehow that, that's what surprises me what's relevant? Victor Ireland is still relevant uh, I'm terrible with names so I'll take your word for it um, I know he's just one of these things that mattered in the 90s it's like if Blur was still important or Oasis oh yeah look at Silver that Silverchair if Silverchair mattered today Blur? what the heck is Blur? They were a British pop band. Remember that dang song, song two that played over some ads in the late nineties? There oh, it is. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Uh, so um, he's talking about Classic Heroes Two G, which uh, I have an interest in because I love, love, love the old school uh, Wizardry series. Uh, play Classic Heroes. I, I will be the first one to admit that it is not anywhere close to a perfect, much less for most people, a fun game. But uh, but for those of us who um, kind of grew up off of those games, cutting our teeth. It was fun having one of those. I mean, and you could feel the wizardry flavor too. It's not just a hard dungeon crawler like uh, like certain better, other games. It's better than Dark Spire. Oh my god! See, I was <laughs> trying to avoid that. Damn you, I'm, apps! Wasn't gonna let you do that. Damn you! Gosh. Hey, I'll use. Uh, I'll name the wizardry I had uh, trouble with too. Elmenage. Uh, it's way better than that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Class of Heroes uh, 2G actually takes Class of Heroes 2, which had a, a few minor improvements over the first game, and then uh, adds some more improvements. Most uh, intriguing of all is it's a PS. It's porting over to the PS3, but then you're going to be able to use your PSP or Vita as like a second screen, very similar to the Wii U. And uh, I, there's a nice video on their website that shows exactly how this works. And uh, as the game, as you're going from like a battle to the dungeon or whatever, the bottom screen automatically changes. Now, I played Etrian Odyssey where, hey, you got two-screen dungeon crawler there. This is this is nothing brand new. But it is pretty cool how that bottom screen or your Vita screen or whatever have you is automatically going, you know, is showing you relevant information to what's going on. If you're on your fighter and you're selecting the move for your fighter, it's got the fighter stats right there in front of you. Whereas with Etrian Odyssey, it was always kind of showing the map at the bottom. And uh, you'd have to press a button or go into extra menus to see your character stats or skills or whatever. This seems to be like they put more thought into what that bottom screen is displaying uh, during any particular part of your dungeon romp. So now uh, this is one of the cool things about RP Gamer is that we got a lot of message forum stuff going on. You can interact with uh, with the staff members who are uh, at the same time. I might time. not mock you openly. I'm who, who you? You yeah, mock me. everybody openly. What are you talking about? Is that one of those New Year's resolutions that <laughs> you're going to quickly break because you don't believe in those either? Uh, uh, you know what? I had an opportunity to be a good person, but I'm like, no, if I don't respond to this condescendingly, someone's just going to tell them to try Pathfinder, and that's not a solution to the problem either. To do, do what with Pathfinder? Just, just switch to Pathfinder. Uh, yeah, now, wait a minute. What does that have to do with Class of Heroes? Nothing. Thought oh, I'm gonna mock you <laughs> openly on the forum. Okay, that's fun. Um, 
we're all about uh, our, our humor. That's for sure. Anywho, um, so uh, so yeah, class class of. Uh, oh, anyways, I was chit chatting with uh, John, who uh, who did the interview and the such, and he was able to provide me with a little more information because I couldn't find a retail copy of this. It's a very limited release, and uh, for the most part, uh, you know, they're not going to have that uh, major distribution channels. Uh, there is a vendor selling it on Amazon for eighty dollars, but he was able to point me to Monkey Paws website or there's no somebody some a Canadian distributor's uh, website where they were only selling it for fifty. Uh, so I got that, and it's on its way from Canada. So that's super awesome. And, okay, so follow that, rpgamer.com. Make sure you go and check it out. I've also, uh, speaking of New Year's resolutions or whatnot, I'm kind of limiting myself to about $100 uh, in buying games every month. So I, that's actually discipline for me, believe it or not. Some months it's pretty bad. Uh, this is my addiction, especially since I kind of gave up buying new Pathfinder books. I find that I have more disposable income lately. So... Still playing it, but I think I've got enough books to last a lifetime. Uh, anywho, so I picked up, uh, and I'm sure you guys will will sit here and chime in whether or not you think these were good purchase decisions or not. But uh, I picked up a game called The Guided Fate Paradox. Yes. <laughs> yes. We, we talked someone. To, I finally convinced someone. You convinced me to pick it up, especially since I did like ZHP, and you, you told me there's a lot to love here if you love ZHP. So. Oh yeah. That was the. Uh, that's uh, and you know it was uh, it was only twenty bucks, so that that was well within my hundred dollar. Then uh, I picked up Deadpool because you know my friend told me it's actually a good funny video game, uh, Marvel video game. So there's some good ones out there and there's some bad ones. Bad ones, Iron Man, good ones, Wolverine, and apparently Deadpool. So I picked that uh, up. Deadpool is kind of it's uh, it's awkward. It's 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 the best script Daniel Way ever turned in for the character, but it's still kind of a lame game. Ah. Like, uh, it opens with a joke about sewer levels, and then the whole game is sewer levels, and I'm like, <laughs> congrats you freaking Latians, kids. Well, I'll tell you, you know, I'm super skeptical whenever it's a Marvel video game uh, based on the license, so uh, I'm th- I'm glad I waited till that one was like 10 or 15, so if it's too disappointing, I won't be too bad about that one either. Uh, let's see, moving up the price list, I think Tales of Zillia 2, I picked that up, and the reasons... Um, Whoa! Say- oh, I- okay, okay, you know, bad apps... Okay, now there's a reason why, though. People are like, why did you pick that one up? In fact, I think it was Sam before she had to run during the break. She was asking me, did you even play the first one? So what? Uh, if you are keeping up with their forums and stuff, uh, but you're just listening to the podcast, uh, you know that I've been doing kind of an RPG trek with the Dragon Quest series. Been going through all of those in order. And we're up to Dragon Quest Six, and I've just kind of burned out on it. The formula is so similar from game to game, and Six is really drawn out, in my opinion. It just doesn't, the plot just doesn't move at all for 20 hours. It's just, oh, well, it's killing me. You should probably quit there before the one after that. <laughs> yeah, after, yeah, and of course, what Minky told me about Dragon Quest Seven and reading his review certainly wasn't like, if I can just get through six, I'm going to get to the good stuff. No. <laughs> so, uh, so my brother... Well, you weren't even listening. I told you that you have to play Seven sometime in order to speak informally about it. I, I, uh, I, so, well, I haven't quit, but we have agreed, my brother who's on this trek with me and I, uh, have agreed to take a break and do something different to give our old school JRPG turn-based combat batteries a chance to recharge. So uh, I let him pick the the next game because I was the one who picked Dragon Quest series, um, and uh, he picked the uh, Tales of series. So we're starting with Tales of Fantasia. I've already uh, started writing down notes. If you're following my Twitter feed, I've been doing screenshots with little jokes on 
them from the game because it's some of the things in there are just so cliche they're easy to make fun of uh but it, you know funny thing is i mean this is the super nintendo game and, and my two three hours in nothing cool about nothing you know mind-blowing about the story gameplay is okay and everything but because i've been playing dragon quest for so long and the, the, the turn base <laughs> this is actually exciting <laughs> so uh, i mean uh, yeah uh, anyways, so we're going to play through the whole Tales of series, and similar to what we had in Dragon Quest, we have, like, a little calendar and stuff. Wait, all uh, of them? Y- well, all... ones that never came out in English? Uh, I, yeah, I should qualify it. All the North American ones that are not on the PlayStation 1 because those cost too much. And they don't look that fun anyways. So... They're not. Don't worry. Was there... Wait, uh, I think that includes... It's a, it's a lot of Tales of games. Let's, uh... Huh. But it does include Zillia 1 and 2. Because those are American released and they aren't, they weren't very expensive. I think this one was 30 tops. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. We've got uh, Tales of Fantasia, followed by uh, Symphonia and then Dawn of the New World, uh, Legendia, Abyss, Grace's F, Celia 1 and 2, Hearts isn't R. Le- isn't Legendia on PS1? Legendia. Or, or is it? PS2. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. PS2. Uh, Tales of Hearts R, which apparently is a GameStop exclusive unless you want to buy it off the PSN, so I had to force myself to go into a GameStop. (laughs) You could have used eBay. Uh, I, I could have, but I'm going to guess they're probably jacking up the prices on eBay since it's a GameStop exclusive. Not worth whatever you paid for it. Uh, what, Hearts R? Or yeah. going into GameStop? <laughs> no, uh, well, probably both. I, I, wait a minute. As soon as I bought it, I did a screenshot that, hey, look at what I got. Uh, I forget who it was. Was it Sam? It was somebody on my Twitter following from RP Gamer. It was like, oh, good choice. I felt good about my purchase afterward. And now you're See, taking me back down? So there, there are some people in the staff where that might not matter. Uh, and, yeah. And plus, it, it's... It's a thing if you played the if you happen to import the original DS version, which was amazing, uh, that this one really rubs said people the wrong way. So you will probably be fine with it. You can ignore me. Oh, cool. And because uh, no, don't bring me down. I've already had enough paid through <laughs> Dragon Quest. I need to I need a break from Debbie. Uh, anyways, and then maybe Tales of Zestria because it's supposed to release later on this year on the PS3. So uh, let's see. Um, next to last, but next not to least, Atelier Eskia and Logi, which I actually got more for the uh, the misses because that's you know Atelier stuff. Though I've been told guys play Atelier games. And then what's that? What's Scott? Glenn. There's Glenn. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. Um, and then, uh, and she's and really playing nothing but fantasy life lately. Yeah, she's she right now she's in retro fantasy life, but she uh, she liked what I uh, sent her the screenshots of me and stuff. So, uh, and then and this one definitely would uh, not exactly be for the misses. It's Deception Four Blood Ties for the Vita. <laughs> so. Um, uh, I won't tell you why I bought that one. Okay, so, yeah, Deception 4. Oh, no. You get to set traps. I like real-time strategy games. Apparently, you get to set traps for heroes who are trying to break in. Uh, you're like Satan's kid or something like that. Uh, scantily dressed woman, of course. And, uh, yeah, got to set traps. Get the bad, get the good guys. Kill the good guys. So, yeah. Any thoughts on those? Feel free to share them with us on the forums or tweet me, JC Servant, and uh, let me know your thoughts on my January purchases. And uh, tell me if you think I did a good job, or be like Scott and just make fun of me. It's okay. Um, all right. Do we have any comment? Do we even have time since we? God, it feels like we just did the last show. And yet, this is the longest time we've taken between recordings for several episodes. Yeah. Who's that? Dang, Nabby, you're such a taskmaster, Minky. We took that long break, right? 
Okay, yeah. But that doesn't Actually, mean you have drop... to make up for it in a month. Yeah, I tell you. So, uh, let's see here. Uh, we had a couple uh, People who think iTunes is the solution to a podcast problem. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. But that's just wrong. I, I I wish I could help. Uh, I wish I could help Sir Sniffy. He's posted a few times that he can't seem to listen to this from beginning to end. Now I right can already click save as. Oh yeah, gosh, no, that's a good point, Scott. Yeah, if you're not doing that, our our podcast. Like if, if you're running it off the browser and it's cutting out, that's oh. because if you're you're dropping a connection. So yeah. just save it to your desktop. Run it through Media Player or Winamp or whatever you have. If you if you're a phone person, there are plenty of easy, cheap, free things. I'm sure someone's already listed this on Downcast. Of course, the funny which, thing is he won't make it to the end <laughs> to hear yeah, this. That's <laughs> the saddest part. But that is actually a very good point. Yeah, when it comes to longer podcasts, especially, never listen to them in the browser, save as. Uh, so. Uh, huh. Let's see here, Victor. Victor, we were talking about uh, what was the game that we were talking about with all the animal characters? Nino Kuni. Nino. Oh no, Unchained no. Blades. Unchained Blades, right? Which I could not get into the hundred dollar cap. I did add that to the list after we discussed it last time, but uh, um, we'll see what happens next month. Anywho, um, uh, so I was complaining that there are that all the uh, all they were doing in that game was stereotyping. Fox people are apparently wooks, but he said no. There's a tanky fox person. It's in the second chapter of Unchained Blades. So there. So yeah, learn something new every day. So I just have to buy it and play it for myself when I get a chance. I'm in a dungeon. I'm in a dungeon crawler kick lately. Um. Yeah, but it's on the 3DS only from the eShop, and I think uh, I think it's also on the PSN. So I want to say it's also on the PSN. Uh, do, 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 do. Let's see here. Anything else super exciting on here? Lots of little ba- little banter back and forth. So go and check out the forums um, over there. Actually, Smacked uh, Smacked has actually been catching up and uh, has some comments about uh, some of our last shows. Um, so he felt like that the original Final Fantasy felt like, and also ran felt like it was second fiddle to Dragon Quest. No, the original Final Fantasies. Final Fantasy. Three, Fantasy. three forever. Three forever. Three for you like three, Scott? Best one. Three four ever. Wow, three is pretty dang awesome. It's been a while since I heard somebody stood up for three. No, DS, DS, DS. Oh, it's better. It's better on DS. The bosses don't jerk you around. Wow. I, I've never heard anybody stood up for three. Four? Six? Seven? Never three. Wow. Three has some fans. Par- you can par- find them out there. Are you going to stay up for two right now, Mr. Apps? No one does uh, that. Not really. Uh, it, it was interesting. It gave us the Saga series, but as a standalone game, it's kind of poop. Uh, he yeah, Smack made, uh, Smack says that there was a mention of the recent mobile uh, releases. He's played Final Fantasy two, and while it would be the definitive uh, version, he says he finds the touch controls completely fine. The Android version suffers from some serious crash bugs that really hold it back. One dungeon in particular crashed a dozen times, and even closing the game required prop. Uh, properly crashing it. If you want to exit the game, you have to crash it. Oh, 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 got it. Uh, so that's pretty sad. I mean, gosh, you think these would be pretty... <laughs> okay, oh. so apparently you get a guaranteed crash if you press the back button. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Alright. 
Uh, then he talking about Show One and Thirty Four. He says, "I remember being really impressed by Lost Odyssey of all the JRPGs of last generation that I've already played. This is the one that I'd easily replay the most." He was also stalked about Botter's Gate on Linux, which I realized someone's got to be. Well, you know, and it's my bro- my brother who's playing the, these games with me. He's a big, he does a lot of programming for uh, clients and Linux because it's a free operating system. So he's all the time trying to defend it, and of course, I'm all the time reminding him that I can't Linux. Uh, so he's been considering loading up uh, the Enhanced Edition as a game to play at work while he has some time to kill. He's also thinking it might be a bad idea because it doesn't seem like a short spurt pick up and play. No, no, no. no Baldur's Gate, no. Not even the bat. You can't it, even have a single battle. It demands battle. all your attention. Oh, yeah, yeah. Jeez, uh, those battles could be pretty rough on your settings, I imagine. Um, hmm. And he says, ah, number 135, suffering the mechanics to get to the story. Rising pretty much of all JRPGs. I guess I think we're talking about Persona. And uh, uh, overall, though, I'm kind of excited for playing the earlier Persona games soon. I have a feeling that they will appeal to me far more than three or four will. Though the mechanics sound unappealing. Well, that one else. That's different. I was about to say, yeah, that would put you in a limited class of people. But uh, I would not recommend playing 3 and 4 and then going back and playing 1 and 2. That, that would be a bad move. I think he already did That's try rough, at least 3. Hmm. Well, occasionally you get somebody who's just really turned off by the whole, you know, limited time, you know, mechanic that's with the schools there. But it really isn't that limiting if you just give it a shot. Well, it, it, it's not limiting. You just do the thing in the afternoon and then you've done your afternoon thing. Yeah, then you go to the dungeon until you get tired. And then you do the evening thing. So there you go. If, if you want an irritating time mechanic, go try Ephemeral Fantasia. Exactamundo. All right. Well, you too can share your comments and thoughts at board.rpgamer.com. You can follow us at twitter.com forward slash rpgamer, facebook.com forward slash rpgamer, become our biggest fans. Leave your comments on iTunes. Give us five star ratings. If you want to leave us four stars, three stars, go do that on the Active Topic podcast. Give us the five star ratings. You say that like (laughs) I give a damn about iTunes and don't direct Apple users to something, anything else at every opportunity. I revel in your one stars. Give them to me. <laughs> I don't even think we've I had want to be before. the lowest rated gaming podcast on iTunes. Make that happen. Uh, I want to say we're all at like four, four and a half stars, all three of us. So I don't know if your pleas are being heard for your one stars. Uh, anywho, uh, let's see here. What else? What else? What else? Oh, I know. Um. RP Gamer is RP Gamer. RPG that's late. RPG Backtrack is a production of RPGamer.com. So please go over, visit the site, read our articles, and uh, and let them know that you love us. Keep us on the air. Um, I know I'm forgetting something. Anything I'm forgetting, guys? Buy all our playsets and toys. Oh, you know what? What what did you say? Buy all our playsets and toys. No, I was going to say, we also have two other shows, the RPG cast and the Active Topical Banter. You can find those two as well as our vast collection of Backtrack episodes over at RPGamer.com. Just hit up one of the podcast links there on the left-hand side. Mr. Uh, Mr. Mickey, I think it's time for bed. It is, and um, Bioware made its own bed. It was a pretty good one with Mass Effect. Uh, yeah, see, look, I can mangle words with the best of them. Can I... That's all, folks.